This morning I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to talk about the Bible as a whole, which is a pretty big topic. So put on your helmets, strap on your seatbelts. Uh, it's a lot to talk about in 45 minutes or less. <laughs> Just kidding. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, 14, 17, and 18, and chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of a risen and reigning Lord and Savior, the Word made flesh. Amen. The Bible is a fascinating and often greatly misunderstood collection of writings that were compiled over a period of more than a thousand years. And there are many different opinions and perspectives about what the Bible actually is. Now, some think it's primarily just a history book, giving us accurate and precise details about events that took place in the past and perhaps possibly some in the future. Some see it like a science book that tells us what the universe is like as well as how and when it came into being. Some think the Bible is just a human document, a, a record of people's experiences and reflections about God, even though the Bible itself claims to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Some think that the Bible is a purely divine document with every word recorded exactly from the mind of God without any error or contradiction. Of course, any careful and honest reading of Scripture will quickly reveal that that is just not the case. 
So how should we understand the Bible? What exactly is it? And why does it even matter? Now certainly as Christians, we believe there's something special and unique about the Bible and that we should all be reading it. And after all, we call it the Word of God. But anyone who's ever actually tried to read it knows that it's not always easy to understand. One of the reasons it can be so confusing is, is that we have both an Old Testament and a New Testament. And some have thought that now that Jesus has come and we have the New Testament, that the Old Testament is now obsolete, no longer necessary for Christians to worry about. So what do we do with the Old Testament? How should we understand it? Well, the helpful phrase that I learned many years ago from Tom Toole is that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, while the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Now, to understand this, consider with me for a moment the literary idea of the second narrative. Now, in any story, there is a basic plot line that runs through it called the first narrative. As you go through it, you find various subplots that arise and you come up with different theories about what's going on in the story and how it's going to end. But in some stories, as you get close to the end, there is a twist that changes your entire understanding of the story revealing what was really going on in the story all along, it was just hidden before. But once this twist is revealed, now everything in the story must be viewed through its lens if you're going to remain true to the story. This new definitive storyline is known as the second narrative. Now there are many examples of this in literature and in the movies. Uh, a popular one you, many of you will be familiar with are the Harry Potter story, those movies where at the very end we discover that Severus Snape, who appeared to be one of the great villains of the story, actually turns out to be the great hero of the story, even sacrificing his own life for Harry Potter. And once you realize that, the whole story takes on a whole different light. But perhaps the best example of the second narrative I have ever seen is the 1999 movie, The Sixth Sense. If you've never seen this movie, I'm really about to ruin it for you. <laughs> it's a fascinating story about a child psychologist named Dr. Crow, who's played by the actor Bruce Willis. Now, Dr. Crow and his wife had just been through a terrible ordeal. One night, a young man broke into their home. He was a former patient of Dr. Crow's. He was very disturbed, and he was very upset. Well, eventually, the young man pulled out a gun and shot Dr. Crow in the gut before turning that gun on himself. Well, the story picks up some months later, and many things have now changed. Dr. Crow's marriage is now in serious trouble as he and his wife hardly even speak to each other anymore. 
Dr. Crow starts working with a new young patient, a, a boy named Cole, who reminds him a lot of that other young man who had shot him. And Dr. Crow really wants to help Cole because he thinks it will make up for some of the mistakes he made with the other boy. Well, in time, Dr. Crow is able to gain Cole's trust, and Cole reveals his great secret. He sees dead people. Cole says that they're all around us, that they only see what they want to see, and they don't know that they're dead. And they terrorize him. Well, eventually, Dr. Crow is able to help Cole with his poltergeist problem, and Cole suggests that he resolve his marital communication problem by going home and speaking to his wife while she is sleeping. As he does so, his wife, who had fallen asleep watching their wedding video, drops something onto the ground, which turns out to be his wedding ring. As Dr. Crow looks then down in horror at his own ringless finger, he suddenly discovers to his terror that he is one of the dead people the boy was seeing. That gunshot had killed him. Once this realization sinks in, both for Dr. Crow and for the audience, the entire story is now seen in a whole new light. The fact that Dr. Crow is dead now becomes the lens through which every scene in this story must now be understood. His communication problem with his wife is now obvious, and seemingly insignificant parts of the story take on a whole new meaning. Now, all alternate theories about what was going on in the story must be abandoned. That Dr. Crow was dead all along is the second narrative, the true narrative of the sixth sense. Now, the Old Testament also has a second narrative. As we read through it, we wander down God's long and windy road with Israel through all the people's repeated failures and God's continued faithfulness through the disobedience and idolatries of the kings to the judgments and promises proclaimed by the prophets through slavery and freedom, through exile and return, through the building and destruction and rebuilding of the temple. And through it all, there are all kinds of possibilities for where the story is going and how it's all going to end as the people struggled to hear and understand and obey the word of God. But then, the Word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth, and nothing would ever be the same again. You see, those early Christians discovered the truth that in the person of Jesus Christ, they had encountered the very Word of God that had spoken all of creation into existence, that had called forth Israel as a people, and that had spoken to them across 
the centuries. But now this, this eternal world, a word had physically entered into their world and become a human being. And they believed that what had happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was of such earth-shattering significance that it completely transformed the original narrative, the first narrative of the Old Testament. Now, the entire history of God's relationship with Israel had to be reinterpreted in light of the Christ event, the twist in the story that almost nobody saw coming. And so, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers wrote and compiled the New Testament as a witness to this Word made flesh, revealing how the Old Testament had been fulfilled in Christ. Now, that didn't mean that they thought that every word of the Old Testament was about Jesus but that the, the entire Old Testament as a whole had been moving toward and anticipating His coming. And He became the lens through which everything that had occurred must now be understood if they were going to remain true to the ongoing story of God's covenant relationship with Israel. So the coming of Christ did not render the Old Testament obsolete. Rather, it became the second narrative that revealed what was really going on in the Old Testament all along. They just couldn't see it before. But those early Christians also realized that Jesus was not just the lens through which to understand their past. He was also the key to understanding their present and their future as well. This is because the purpose of the incarnation was not just to give us some helpful hints about God or, or a new set of rules to follow. No, the Word became flesh in order to, to fully reveal God to us and to bring us into a relationship with Him. The eternal Son of God became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might participate in His relationship with the Father, that His story as the faithful and beloved Son might become our story as well. And as we are united with Christ in our baptisms, and as we surrender our lives to Him, then Jesus becomes the second narrative of our lives, superseding the storyline we thought we were living. And this is good news, because it means that when unwanted subplots arise, or when villains enter into your story, or when tragedy strikes. You do not have to live in fear about how it's all gonna turn out in the end. Your life begins and ends with the Word of God, 
who created you for a purpose, who conquered death for you on the cross, who has called you by name to follow him, and who has prepared a place for you in his Father's eternal kingdom. And he is now the lens through which your entire life, all of our lives, must now be understood. The reason we call the Bible the Word of God is because it witnesses to, points us toward, and brings us into an encounter with Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, who is God's self-revelation to us. And the reason we read the Bible is because it's Jesus' story. And through baptism, He has made us a part of it. Therefore, the Bible is now our story as well. This is why it's so important that we spend time in Scripture. We are constantly being bombarded by alternate stories, alternate narratives of who we are by advertisers and social media and Hollywood, even our own families. We are so easily deceived in a world full of darkness and lies, and we often lose our way. But when we realize that the Bible is actually our story, and when we discover our own lives in the sacred drama, then that light shines in the darkness once again. And the darkness did not, cannot, will not overcome it. The Bible continues to usher us into the presence of Jesus, and in his light, we discover the truth about who we really are and what we were created for. After all, the, the Bible is nothing if not about truth, the truth about God and the truth about us, and it is Jesus alone who reveals both. But biblical truth is not the same thing as modern Western truth. And this has been the source of a lot of confusion and misunderstanding about Scripture. You see, as, as children of the Enlightenment, we have all been trained to see truth as precision and accuracy in the reporting of historical facts. If something, something is logically or factually inerrant, then it is true. But for the biblical authors, and I give credit to this to my great teacher in the Bible, Ken Bailey. For the biblical authors, truth is a faithful and accurate representation of the nature and the will and the activity of God as seen through historical events. I'll say that again. For the biblical authors, truth is a faithful and accurate representation of the nature and the will and the activity of God as seen through historical events. The facts are helpful and useful insofar as they point us toward 
that truth. This is why the gospel writer can say that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Why Jesus himself could claim to be the truth because he perfectly revealed the nature and the will and the activity of God through his life and ministry. Now the Bible does contain history, absolutely, but it is primarily history theologically interpreted. Because, again, for the biblical authors, theological truth, the theological understanding is far more important than just plain historical fact. This is why when the Apostle Paul says something like, Christ died for our sins, or in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He is saying something with far more truthfulness than if he simply said, a Jewish rabbi named Jesus was killed one Friday outside Jerusalem by Roman authorities. You see, the theological interpretation of that historical event is far more truthful than just a purely factual account because it faithfully reveals the nature and the will and the activity of God. And therefore, in the words of Ken Bailey, based on a biblical understanding of truth, the Bible is even truer than what actually happened. You'll have to spin on that for a while. Based on a biblical understanding of truth, the Bible is even truer than what actually happened. And all that means that the, the last thing we want to do is relegate the Bible to just the instrumental use of, of just being a tool to give us simple and clear answers to our questions or our, our moral dilemmas or how we should vote. I mean, yes, the Bible is intended to instruct us and, and give us moral guidance. But remember, the Pharisees were experts at extracting answers and moralities from the text. And yet, they completely missed the Word of God when He stood right in front of them. The Bible is not just an answer book, and it's certainly not a science book. Never reduce it to that. Reading the Bible like that is, in the words of Frederick Buechner, like reading Moby Dick as a whaling manual. Or it's like watching one of my favorite movies, the movie Hoosiers, as an instructional video on how to play basketball. It completely misses the entire point. The, the, the purpose in reading the Bible is not just to get information, but to bring about the transformation of our souls as we encounter the living God in Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. But be careful. Reading the Word of God can be a dangerous thing. It has its own agenda that usually does not match up with our own, and you may get more than you bargained for. 
For the Bible is always calling us into question, challenging our preconceptions and exposing our idolatries and our hypocrisies. And it is relentless in its efforts to draw us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, who by the power of the Holy Spirit continues to speak to us in and through the pages of Scripture, calling us to surrender our lives to Him that we might receive the new life, the abundant life that only He can give us. And when we we truly hear his voice and we respond with joyful obedience, then the word becomes flesh once again inside of us and our lives become living scripture, proclaiming the grace and truth of Jesus Christ in a world that is desperate and dying for a better story. So start reading your Bibles. Our world is depending on it. Amen.